Good morning. You may be seated. My name is Luke, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm just honored that we get to open the word together. This church is called to multiply, transform followers of Jesus. That's what we get to do by God's grace and by his power. We get to see lives transformed by the gospel. And so I just want to say a quick word and a quick thank you. Man, thanks for your patience. I know it was a fast turnaround, and you're like, where's my parking spot? Well, you're here. And I love you, and so thanks for being patient. It's good to see you guys, uh, and we're honored that you're here in this space with us today because we get to open God's word and ask him to continue to transform us, and that is the theme of our day, asking God to transform us. And again, as I said, our vision that, that God has called this church to is to multiply transform followers of Jesus, and we want to just invite you on an initiative for the next three years with us to be a part of a group to give all that you are to what God has called you to and to go on mission, whether that's across the street or whether that's across the world. We are going to be leaning hard and heavy into those three words. Everyone say say groups, Groups. give, Give. go. Go. That's what we're doing. Groups give, go. That's where we're running towards. We want you to be in group to get care and accountability and the support you need to live out your faith. We want you to give all that you are because we truly believe, as we're going to find out in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we get to offer all that we are as a living sacrifice to God for who he is, what he's done. And we want to invite you, because of that transformation in your life, to be on mission, to go on mission everywhere. Again, why? Because our church is called to what? Multiply transformed followers of Jesus. And that's our hope and our prayer. So you guys ready to hop in the word of God? Yeah, let's go. All right. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And as you turn in there, I want to just say a quick prayer for us. God, we ask you to lead us and to guide us. We are yours in Jesus name. Amen. Romans 12, chapter 12, verses one and two. I want you to read along with me. Why don't you stand up for the reading of God's word with me this morning as we read these two verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not, do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be, say it with me, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This is where we anchor ourselves a lot of times as a church, is in these two verses, because it puts a lot on who God is and what God has done, and then it gives us an opportunity to passion respond. This church, they laid out from the, from the leadership, from the elders, years back, this, this phrase that's above the fireplace, but it is our true vision statement. Transform followers of Jesus, passionately responding to God, rooted in prayer in the Bible, and equipping disciples. That's who we are, and so we sink it down into that phrase, multiplying transform followers of Jesus, but that's its totality for us. This is what a transform follower of Jesus looks like. It's someone who's passionately responding to God, someone who's deeply rooted in prayer, engaging in conversation with God and his word, and you're equipping other disciples. You're making more transform followers of Jesus. You're multiplying them in your area of life. And what we're going to find out today as we lean into this passage of Romans 12, 1 and 2, and as we apply it in five primary areas of our lives, is we're going to be able to see how we get to be a part of multiplying transform followers of Jesus. We get to see how that vision statement gets played out in your everyday 
life. And so I'm excited that we get to dive into it. So when you look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, we get a couple of things I just want to quickly highlight for us as we unpack this. He says, brothers, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, meaning I'm calling back to everything that he has done in Romans 1 through 11 up to this point. He's been laying a case, he's been building um, his argument, if you will, to say, this is who Jesus is, this is what God has done on your behalf, and because of those things, I'm going to ask you to passionately respond. And boy, does he ever ask us to passionately respond. He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God, the gospel, all the things that I've been unpacking for you, that God is who he says he is, that Jesus is the sacrifice for you, that you can have new life in him. All these things that he's been walking through in the book of Romans. He says, those mercies, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice. This means it is ongoing, it is continuous. This idea of a living sacrifice doesn't mean that it is sacrificed and then it's put away. It's just done. It is an ongoing process for us. And it is in light of who God is and what he has done for us, the gospel, the good news. Transform followers of Jesus, we passionately respond by offering our lives by hopping up on an altar, if you will, and dying to ourselves, dying to our passions, dying to our preferences, dying to our ideas, our ideals, all those things saying, God, your will, your way. I'm here. Do whatever you will through me. And that is a bold thing to say. That is like the definition of passion responding. Say, all right, God, here I am. All of me for all of you. Have your way. That is what a transformed follower of Jesus does. And then he goes on in verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed as you fix your mind on Jesus Christ. Everything around us is trying to form us into something. Can we just like laugh at ourselves for a hot second? You see someone who has like a a shirt or shoes or something like that. Then all of a sudden you look around and it seems like everyone else has the same pair of kicks on, right? Why is that? Because we are conformed by the world. We are easily influenced by the things around us. And listen, I'm the primary like chief of that. Like I see something cool and I'm like, oh, I want one of those because I think it makes me feel cool. I'm being conformed by the things around me, by the world around me. That is our default because of our sin nature. But what Paul is writing to us and to the church in Rome, he's saying, do not be conformed to the pressures and the preferences and the ideals of the world around you, but be transformed from the inside out. Allow God to do something in you and through you that you can't do on your own. And the world is going to try to press you into something. It's going to try to say, you have to look like this to be a man or a woman or a student or a young person in this world. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not be conformed. And then we get to live out, as we see at the end of verse 2, live out. We get to test and discern what is God's will for our lives, what's good and acceptable and perfect. It's in light of us offering our lives to him as a living, what? A sacrifice, giving up of ourselves. And as we look at that passage, that being kind of this uh, bedrock for us today, I want us to look at our lives 
Can we just have like an honest moment with ourselves today? Uh, you know, in the South, we'd say we're going to get in your kitchen a little bit. Uh, we're going to get in your kitchen a little bit uh, and ask some, for you to examine some things about your life, for you to look at who you are, what you do, where God has placed you, and are you living out your life as a living sacrifice, as a transformed follower of Jesus in those areas? When we look at our lives, it really boils down to five primary areas. Everybody, everywhere, engages in these. And so if you have, you hopefully got one of these as you came in. If not, you can grab one on your way out. This is just a little workbook for you to uh, wrestle with some of these questions again, to look in the mirror, to, to kind of get in your kitchen and mess, mess around a little bit and see what God would have uh, for you to transform you by the renewing of your mind. But these five primary areas, I want you to say them with me, are faith, finances, work and school, relationships, and habits. And I just want to own I made a mistake. As I walked through the sermon, I got two of them backwards. So just a little grace, all right? Be nice to me, okay? These five primary areas, if we look at our lives, if we boil it down, everything can fit into one of these categories. Everything can fit into one of these categories. Except when we look at the world, the first one that I want us to examine is transform followers live out the gospel in their faith. Someone who is not a follower of Jesus does not have faith. And they may have faith in other things, but it's not the faith that we're talking about here today. It's not the faith that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 highlights. If you're taking notes, you can write down that verse. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. There's a reason why we started this year with Pastor Jim's sermon last week. It is the foundation for our transformation. Faith is the foundation for our transformation. When we lean into who Jesus is, what he has done, and we put all of our trust, all of our faith, and faith isn't wishful thinking, it is a certainty. It is a certainty. We're not hoping that Jesus comes through. We know Jesus will come through. And we live by faith. It is a gift of God that he has placed in us. But we have the opportunity to passionately respond. You're going to hear these words over and over again today. um, Because I want us to live them out as we walk as followers of Jesus. We get to passionately respond and feed our faith. You heard Pastor Jim last week quote something. And man, it it just messed with me. He said this quote from Jerry Bridges. It is impossible to practice godliness without a constant, consistent, and balanced intake of the word of God in our lives. You want to see your life be lived as a transformed follower of Jesus to its full? You have to live by faith. You have to live by faith, and it is impossible to practice that faith if there's not a consistent intake of the word of God. Consistent, constant, balanced intake, as that quote says. And so that's why last week was so important. If you weren't here last week, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you to go back and listen to it so that you can build on that faith. Because as we see around us, the world, does everyone uh, usually have a job or go to work or go to school for the most part? Everyone has relationships, right? Like you have, people are married and friendships and siblings and coworkers. Everyone's got relationships, right? Everyone's got some level of finances, right? Some level. <laughs> That's right. Everyone has habits, rhythms, things that we do consistently. What makes us different than the world around us? It is the faith that we place in Jesus Christ. Faith is the foundation for our transformation. 
And that's how we begin to live out the gospel in these other areas of our lives. So the second thing I want us to lean into this morning is that transformed followers of Jesus live out the gospel in their finances. Now, if you've been around church a lot, you probably didn't hear a lot about finances, except for when they were like, we really need you to give some money. And it seems like this uncomfortable conversation in the the world. But did you know that Jesus in the scriptures, his three-year earthly ministry, he spoke about finances so much? Because it is a massive indicator for where you are and who you are. Your finances reveal so much about you. It reveals so much about who we are. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. The word of the Lord goes on to say, Do not lay up, these are the words of Jesus, straight from his mouth, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Hey friends, I want to just be really open with you guys right now. It is absolutely okay to talk about finances. You should be talking about them in many areas of your life. Because it ultimately reveals where your heart is. And so if we want to do the hard work of being a transformed follower of Jesus and allow ourselves to continually be transformed by the renewing of our mind, it is okay to talk about your finances because ultimately you're talking about where your heart is. You're talking about the thing that matters most, right? You sit down for a cup of coffee or you're having a date night with your spouse or you're talking to your friends and you want to know what's going on in your life. That's the similar type of conversation. Hey, how's your heart? What's going on in you? My heart's heavy. Why? Da, 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 da. It's the same type of conversation. Why do we separate the conversation about finances? Because ultimately, what it's doing is it is showing us who our God is. Your finances will reveal who your God is. The question for us that we have to wrestle with is as transformed followers of Jesus, people who follow him know Jesus have been redeemed and are saying, I'm committed to living by faith. Are we okay actually looking in the mirror and having to answer that question of who our God really is? Because many of us approach our finances as a safety measure. Well, if I have just so much money, I know nothing can go wrong. Or if something does go wrong, I can quickly fix it. It's a, it's a layer of control in our lives. Some of us are looking for that safety, that security that comes with a certain level of finances. Or maybe some of us in this, in this place, we look at our finances and it's a way to bring comfort and joy. Hello, Luke Bilberry. Like, I spend money because like, there's like something inside of me that's like, ooh, that was, ooh, I feel good, I feel happy. And like for a hot second, I'm okay. Like I feel joy, I feel okay. Like my wife laughs at me, she's like, where'd you get that hat? I'm like, I bought it online. It's like, why? You're in a hat buying phase, aren't you? You're like, yeah, why? I don't know. It just makes me happy. There's something wrong with me. I need Jesus. Like, I'm messed up. I understand that. But I needed that hat to make me feel joy. How dumb does that sound? It's a stinking hat. Because for some reason, my finances begin to reveal my heart and who my God is, that my God is ultimately myself. 
if I'm left to my own devices. And I'm going to spend money to bring joy and ultimately to try to fill a God-sized hole that only he can fill, not a silly hat or some other purchase. Or some of us look at finances and it's a way, again, to fill a God-sized hole in us. If we have enough money, people think we're important or it's a value statement. Will we actually do the honest work of looking in the mirror and saying, and looking at our finances saying, who is your God? Is it yourself because of your safety and security and fear of the world so you try to control all the situations and scenarios? Is it be, you're just trying to feel joy and bring life and happiness to you? And that can work itself out in different ways. Like, you know what? I love to buy gifts. Why? Because it brings me joy. But why is that? It's because it's doing something for me. Or am I trying to use finances for worth and value so that people think I'm something that I may or may not be? But Romans 12, 1 and 2 is very clear for us. Offer your lives as a sacrifice. A living what? So who is your God? Who is your God? Is it yourself or is it truly the one true God that we have sung about today? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, whom God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Is he your God? And if so, then put your trust, your faith, your certainty in him that he's got you. That he will get you in the good times and in the tough times. He is your ultimate security and safety. Is he the thing that brings joy to, to our lives, to me? Do I seek him and I find joy in him? Or am I saying my worth and my identity is not by the numbers in my bank account, but by who Jesus says I am? Will we do the work? Transform followers of Jesus. Live out the gospel in your finances because we need to understand how you use those resources. It reveals who your God is. Everything is a resource that God has given us. Everything, the breath in our lungs, the dollars that we have, everything is a resource he has given us to steward the advancement of his kingdom. Everything to advance his kingdom, his mission, his agenda. So again, I want to remind us of Romans 12, 1 and 2, but I want, us to, I want you to hear it uh, from the message, a translation that uh, Eugene Peterson used, but then he kind of paraphrased things and put it in a language to really stir our hearts, to stir our affections for who God is. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message says this, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping and eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it and passionately respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work all of your life. Your finances. Place it before God as an offering. Place it before God as an offering. 
And we get to do that as we respond to his work in us because of faith. Again, remember, it's a gift of God, and we get to build on those things. The third area of life that we get to passionately respond to God into is our relationships. Transform followers live out the gospel in their relationship. From the very beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, God created everything, and he said it was good. And then something happens, right? Sin shows up and ruins everything. It shatters and breaks every part of creation. Everything that God said is good is now somehow marred by sin. It ruins everything. And we need to understand that because of that sin, we have to live in these fractured places. And one of the major places that we see this played out is in our relationships. Has anyone ever had like some hard moments with some people in your life? There's like three of us. Great. Y'all are awesome, okay? <laughs> Y'all are doing great. I love it. We know relationships can be hard. They can be tricky. Even our best of intentions somehow get convoluted and messed up. Why? Because of sin. Sin breaks everything. From the moment Adam and Eve, they began to fight. And then Adam and Eve's kids begin to fight, and one murders the other, and the first murder is recorded in Scripture. And on and on and on it goes. We see relationships are at war with one another because of sin. But we know that the gospel transforms us. We know that the gospel brings about new things in us so that we live differently, and God, by His grace and by the power of His Holy Spirit, begins to repair that which is broken. And one day, praise God, he will come back and everything will be made new. As the Jesus Storybook Bible tells us, all of the sad things will come untrue and all those broken relationships will be mended as the Lord sees fit for us. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, we're going to pull 2 Corinthians 5, 17 uh, through 21 up on the screen. And now I want to invite you to go there in your Bibles or you can read along on the screen. I want us to un- understand something. That your faith has been given to you by God to see the lives around you changed, to see those relationships repaired. And 2 Corinthians highlights that. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So it starts with you. You are a new creation when you trust in Jesus. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Amen. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Through God, through Christ, We are reconciled with him, and then he sends us back out on mission. Ministers of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God trusts us with the message of the gospel, the hope to see other lives transformed. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. It goes on into 6.1 there. Paul lines out for a church that had a whole lot of dysfunction. And we're actually going to step into a series when Pastor Joel gets back next week uh, from the Philippines with Pastor Nathan, uh, preparing uh, Pastor Nathan to go on mission with his family uh, in this summer to move there permanently, which is just an incredible thing that we get to see the vision, multiplying transfer of Father Jesus, of groups giving and going. We get to see one of our own go out uh, this summer with his family. That's, again, what we get to do as a church. But when Pastor Joel comes back, he's going to start a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. 
And we see a church that is just rife with just hard relationships, messed up stuff, lots of bad practices. And Paul is writing to them in 2 Corinthians. He's saying, this is who you are now in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And I, God, am entrusting to you the message of reconciliation. Therefore, be on mission. Be ambassadors. Be proclaimers of the hope so that more people can be transformed. And when more people are transformed, those relationships begin to mend. And so as you walk through these, uh, this book, there's questions there. Who are the relationships that the Lord is calling you right now that you need to be a minister of reconciliation? Who is the Lord placed on your heart? Even as we're speaking, there's probably names popping in your head like, oh yeah, and oh yeah, and man, I really need to pray for them or I need to reach out to them. Do it. God has entrusted you the message as an ambassador for Christ. We implore you, he says, to be reconciled to God for his sake made him Jesus who knew no sin so that we might become, so that we might become. It's an invitation that the people who are far from Christ can be invited to become the righteousness of God. What a humbling opportunity we have to passionately respond to God. And I want to remind us of something too. He says in 1 Corinthians, again, this church that has all sorts of issues and they're having to work through some relationship problems. He goes on to say, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Verse 24, 1 Corinthians 10. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Why is Paul calling that out? Again, to be ministers of reconciliation because it's exactly what Jesus said in the Gospels. Someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And he says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Seek your neighbor's good. Your neighbor's good is found in Jesus Christ. Again, not money, not in finances, not in work, not in any of those God-sized holes that we try to fill, fill our lives with, but it's found in Jesus Christ. We get to seek the good of our neighbors when we go on mission next door and across the world. This is how we respond to being transformed, to being a living sacrifice. The fourth area that, that we, everybody has something that you're doing. You're going somewhere and you're doing something, whether it's work or whether it's school or whether it's a place you volunteer a lot of your time and energy. Transform followers of Jesus live out the gospel in their work or school. We need to understand that where God has placed us is a place God wants to be glorified in. And can I just lean in for a second? Students in the room, I want you to just kind of look up here for a second. Kids, students, there, there is this thing that we do as students, and it seems like we just hate school. And students laugh like someone's like, amen, all right. Why? Did you know that God has placed you in that place so that he can be glorified? Kids and students, God has placed you in school not to complain or to grumble or to just like moan and groan like school is the worst and I don't like this and da-da-da-da-da. The only thing I like is lunch and recess, which is not a bad deal. I mean, let's just be honest. But God has placed you in your classroom with those teachers, with those other peers and other students so that he can be glorified and you can be a minister of reconciliation as a kid and as a student. And all the parents are like, amen, I'm tired of hearing them complain. Hey, parents, adults, sure sounds a lot like how you talk about work sometimes, right? Man, so-and-so this, and I can't believe that. And man, I feel unfulfilled, and I'm tired of doing X, Y, Z. We're so prone to grumbling and complaining where God has placed us. 
If we have faith, certainty that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then he is sovereign and he is king and he has put you in a strategic place so that you can continue to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the people and the lives and the situations around you can be a place where God is glorified. What would it look like for a bunch of transformed followers of Jesus running in their schools with joy and hope and in that moment your flesh rises up to grumble and complain and to just speak negatively and to act out of the will of God? You say, "Uh uh-uh, get back on the altar and be off of your life as a living sacrifice. What would that look like? What would that look like in our community to see that take place? Again, Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians. There's so much in 1 Corinthians. So I, I can't wait for us to dive into it uh, deeper as a church. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, talking about relationships, but also this reminder where God has placed you is the place God wants to be glorified. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whether you go to school, whether you go to work, whether you volunteer, whether you're uh, taking care of kids or grandkids, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks or the church of God, meaning don't cause a problem for the people around you. Don't be a stumbling block or a speed bump on the way to people encounter Jesus Christ because they are meant to encounter Jesus Christ through you, but sometimes we just make a mess of it. Let's do our best by the power of God and by his grace to glorify him in every place that we are situated. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33, if you would like to write that down and follow up with that. And the fifth place that we want to uh, see God transform us is in our habits. Transform followers live out the gospel in their habits. We all have rhythms and we all have habits and we all have ways that we cope with stress and things that we do. There's a, uh, a plethora of those things that we all do. Some of us watch TV. Some of us like to run. Some of it all, like we all have habits that we do. We all sometimes drive certain ways when we go to work or we do certain things. We have a habit all over the place. I want us to understand this morning that everything we do, everything you do says something about you. So when you're actively leaning in on stuff, it's saying something about who you are. Whenever you don't do something and you're inactive, it is saying something about who you are. And again, if we can look in the mirror, let God get in our kitchen a little bit and stir some things up, and we begin to ask ourselves the questions, we can see God continue to transform us by the renewing of our minds. God is at work in every situation. Will we allow him to continue to transform us? Everything you do says something about you, and the habits that you have Ultimately, you're going to help you walk as a transformed follower of Jesus, or they're not. They're going to help you deepen your relationship with God and have greater kingdom impact, which you are created for. There's no creation anywhere in the world that is not meant to glorify God, that is not meant to point people to him and to his goodness and his greatness. That is written throughout all the scriptures. I'm not just making that up. You are meant to point people to God, and everything you do says something about you. Everything you do says something ultimately about that God that you say you serve. So as transformed followers of Jesus, we are to live out the gospel in our habits, our rhythms. We are to be living sacrifices, constantly putting our preferences, our habits, our routines, our time on the altar, saying, God, your will, your way. God, your will, your way. And so I want to be really cautious, like as we kind of start this new year a little bit, the the conversation is probably obviously already over. We had resolutions and we're going to make ourselves better, you know, and and like be your best you, that kind of thing. And it's like week, you know, seven days later, we're done with that. Anybody? Amen. Uh, 
Because ultimately, when we put those things before transformation, we want the output of transformation to be different and to look different, but we're doing it of our own strength. We are to be living sacrifices that are offered to God, and it's God who continues to transform us from the inside out. Transformation is a continual process. It is not a one-time event. Transformation is a continual process. It is not a one-time event. We say that so often around the, here because it, it, we have to be reminded of that. If anything, all the pastors say it because Luke needs to be reminded of it. That I am not done yet being transformed, and neither are you. God has more in store for you, but it's not you making yourself better. It's you offering your life as a sacrifice, saying, God, my habits, your will, and your way, not my way. And when we do that, I, there's just something that can begin to happen. When we let God do what he wants to do in us and through us, things begin to change, and we begin to find peace, even when it may be difficult, even when we may come up against hardships, because transformation is that process. Those hardships and those good moments, everything is helping God, is God helping us be transformed into his image and who he's called us to be. So I want to remind you of something. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, in Philippians 2.12, he'd like to write that down. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And you, you hear this like unique tension. He says, work out your, fear, uh, your salvation with fear and trembling, but God's doing the work. Work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling, but it is God who's at work in you and through you for his good pleasure. We get to, as transformed followers of Jesus, passionately respond. Passionately respond. That's what we get to do. And we get to walk in this tension to see our faith grow and to develop, to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. It doesn't mean you have to work for your salvation because it's God who's at work in you. But because of his work, we get to work it out in us. We get to put our habits to practice. We get to let the rubber hit the road and see everything we do as an opportunity to draw near to God. It's an opportunity to develop a relationship with him that is deep and it is rich and it is life-giving and it is ultimately satisfying because it is found in the only one who can satisfy Jesus Christ. Dallas Willard was talking about spiritual disciplines, habits, and there, there's some conversations we can have about spiritual disciplines. Those are good habits. We're talking about last week, Pastor Jim, your Bible intake. What does that look like? Are you memorizing scripture? Are, are you uh, having Sabbath and prayer and solitude? Are you serving? There's a, there's, a, there's a list of spiritual disciplines. I want us to understand we were talking about those habits to engage in relationships, but I'm also talking about every other habit, how you cope, what you run to, what brings joy, all those things that you do rhythmically, your vacationing, your time, your energy, all those things when you wake up, when you go to sleep, those are habits. And are they drawing you into a deeper relationship with God? And Dallas Willard says this about our habits. The first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. And where he says caring for our souls, I would insert Philippians 2. This is the primary fundamental secret for working out our salvation with fear and trembling, is to keep God at the forefront of our mind. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect, to direct and redirect, to direct and to redirect our minds constantly to him. 
in the early time of our practicing our habits, developing new routines that draw us into a deeper relationship, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. How many of our habits actually are a burden because they are fixing their eyes on things that are less than God? This is a burden when we do so. And Jesus tells us in the book of John, I came that you may have life and life to the fullest. So today I want to invite us to respond to the gospel. I want to invite you to respond to the word of God, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God invites us to be a living sacrifice to him, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and in doing so to multiply transformed followers of Jesus. But it is only possible when we recognize that Jesus was the great sacrifice for us, that Jesus was the sacrifice for your sins and because of his sacrifice on the cross and because of his departure from the grave, it is there that you and I can find transformation. It's there in the gospel, the good news of what God has done to redeem us that we can find life, true life. And so however we can help you take that next step, we encourage you to do the work. And if you need people to walk alongside you, man, I know our pastors and our teams and our directors and anyone that anyone that with a green lanyard here today would love to pray with you and help talk with you through some of these things. Or if you want to follow up with us later this week, say, you talk about relationships, that sounds great, Luke. I'm trying, but I don't know how to do it right. And we love to walk alongside you because we get to do this together. Transform followers of Jesus, passionately responding to God, rooted in prayer in the Bible and equipping disciples. It's what we get to do together for his glory and for his name so that the world will be changed. You in for that this year? Let us respond to the gospel, what he's doing in your heart, and may you live it out. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, that you are a good God who is at work in us and through us. God, have your way. We come before you, God, and we ask for your forgiveness for our sins, for our failures, for our mistakes, to not acknowledge you as the one true God and putting ourselves above you. Right now, God, I pray for each and every one of us, God, that we would offer our lives as a living sacrifice. May we get on the altar and may we put to death the old ways and the old part of our lives and may we walk as the new creation that you have made for us, Jesus. I pray for each person in this space that's joining us online, God, that we would put our faith in you and trust you as Savior, as Lord and as King. And may we follow your will, your way as transfer followers of you, King Jesus. In your name we pray.